Productions. Yes! Welcome back to Go Deep the Podcast, a member of Go Deep Productions, where we have an opinion like we have a clue. Thank you for coming back. And here's your host, John Nothing Doe. Yes, welcome back, folks. We have a real barn burner for you today. Um, despite what you think, we are uh, very much in alive and well. You know, we're going to get more and more into this and back to our groove as the year progresses you know personal life and all that weird stuff but enough of that garbage folks on the show today we have our special guest he was on another show prior we were talking about the the texas diner shooter the one the only the colonel how are you pal i'm very well thank you so since uh since that show how do you feel you feel like uh you're ready to do this again or what yep (laughs) and then another uh individual that's always a fan favorite Loves rubber over asphalt, and hopefully he prefers asphalt over other people's rubber. The one, the only, Motorsports Mofo. How are you, pal? I am wonderful, John, and I'm happy to uh, to be here with yourself and the Colonel, and uh, yeah, ready to get this shindig started. Yes, sir. So, lots of interesting stuff going in the world of conspiracy, and um, you know, it's it's funny because the word conspiracy was brought up back in the day to kind of like take away from when people are speaking truths that don't really align with you know whether it be government or law enforcement agencies agencies or all this other stuff right so it's not always true a conspiracy but some of them are true and the one i kind of want to go into and we're not right into an order of it but rather we're just going to dive right into what's currently going on so the twitter files everybody knows what the twitter files if you don't know what the twitter files are i'm really kind of surprised about you but a lot of this information we're getting is from a guy that investigated it so the guy's name is matt Taibi, and you can find him on Twitter. And the Colonel, I understand you uh, have a, a bit of a background on this individual. Uh, he's an independent investigative journalist that was hired by Elon Musk. Uh, there were a couple others prior to him to reveal what he's found in the Twitter files that they're going through it because there's a lot of information there and someone needs to kind of funnel it down and concise it. So, you know, you don't have to read a thousand pages. Well, that's uh, very nice of him to make it easier for us. You know the average mm-hmm. person, right? Because we got we got our personal lives, not just what everybody else That's wants. Right. To... And time, time is time is money. Yes, not to mention we don't have all the time in the world. So, with that being said, he Matt was kind of alluding to the fact that between January 2020 and November 2022, there's about 150 emails between the FBI and uh, the former Trust and Safety Chief Yule Roth. I don't want to mistake it for the Rothschilds. I'm just saying Roth. It sounds like they could have some kind of relation. Someone dropped the rest of the name, but we're not going to get into that today. What is your thoughts on this when a government agency is in high contentions or they're they're very much in close connection with a private social media company? I think right off the hop, personally, I think it's easy to see them where like the conspiracy theorists would, would start. I think they have good reason. My personal thought would be also, though, that it would be under the assumption that there's something going on, right? Why would they otherwise be in such contact with a private company? Right? So it leads to wonder. You feel like there, I mean, not being a Twitter user myself, just to put that out there, but it felt like there is seems to be a lot of censorship, right? And what, what is able to be said and not. Now, obviously, I understand they're probably trying to control the level of information and or disinformation and hate speech and so on and so forth. But when you have 
Bureau, the FBI, getting involved? Do you think that something's going on, something's either trying to be covered or hidden? I don't know, cause for concern. On the other hand, as a, like I said, as a non-Twitter user, do I have a day-to-day concern? I suppose I do not. However, again, when you think about it, how could this unknowingly be impacting our day-to-day lives as well, right? Definitely. What about you, um, Colonel? What is your feelings on this? Well, it, it went further than just the FBI. There were actual direct events from the White House directly to Twitter as well. Yes, the Biden uh, the Biden team, yes. so yeah, yeah, the Biden White House. I'll definitely get into um, that a little bit later, but what is your feelings just with the government having, whether it's an agency or not, what, what is your feelings of them basically interfering with you know, regular democracy or private company enterprise? Well, uh, it's been mentioned that, you know, um, certain speech was censored. Problem is, all the speech that was censored was conservative speech, speech to the right. Yeah. People who did not agree with the COVID lockdowns or the vaccine mandate, all that speech was suppressed and blocked. You know, the government of the United States is not allowed to go to censor American First Amendment, protect free speech, mm-hmm. but they're also not allowed to use the third party to censor speech. And that's what's been going on here. And it's contemptible uh, because in a democracy, all views should be expressed and heard, and the people then can make it their own decision. They don't need to be protected. I put that quotation marks from big government. Yep, agreed. So with what you're saying makes absolute sense. So it has been confirmed the FBI has a social media task force that was created in uh, 2016 because of Trump being elected with 80 plus agents that deal with Twitter, uh, or they deal with Twitter, but they also deal with Twitter in the way that they want them to control foreign influence and election tampering. So now hearing what you said there, Colonel, and then hearing that that the FBI's task force was, they had a task force just to deal for that. What is your feeling when they, they're directly interfering with the election process as it would seem? It's against the law. You can't do it. The First Amendment protects free speech. So if you're um, campaigning with Twitter to suppress individuals A, B, and C uh, because you don't like what they're saying and it's going to hurt Democratic leftist chances of getting elected, i.e. the 2020 election, is a... you're putting your thumb on the scale there. It's it's, it's not a, a, an equal fair playing field. No, but I don't think it was intended to. What do you think there, Mofo? Well, again, I think this is exactly what conspiracy theorists are talking about, right? And, you know, again, in the beginning, maybe you're trying to discredit, right? And also, this just gives them more leverage, you know, whether right or wrong, um, you can see where they'd be coming from. And in terms of the censorship side, you have to factor in whether you agree or disagree with some of the things that people are putting. It is, again, comes back to freedom of speech. Right. Yep. Second of all, there was various doctors from what I read that were putting out their personal perspectives, personal opinions pertaining to, you know, things with the pandemic as a whole, things with the vaccine and other just general points. And these are accredited people, you know, that attended, you know, very prominent school, right? Harvard, Yale, Oxford. So you have to start to wonder, like, What's the reason? What's the reason behind it, you know, in terms of the censorship? And I think it's, you know, I, I think it's, it's problematic, problematic to say the least, because it's what else then is trying to be censored? I, I think also it, it 
it adds to where people have, where I think where people have concern over the Biden administration pertaining to, you know, other things are being covered up, whether it be documents that are being found as personal residence or, or classified information. Floating balloons? Well, I mean, call it whatever you want, like, but there's numerous things, like, where it's like, you know, the, the, the balloon thing is kernel is a whole other like there is a top but yeah like i mean you can see where again the conspiracy theorists would start getting to go on this right again like prior to me says i'm not overly concerned in the sense of that i don't use twitter so i don't care what's censored or not but when you think of it, the context of freedom of information and freedom of speech this is maybe just like the the tip of the iceberg of things that are being censored and if someone is going to be passive, maybe like myself, of, well, it doesn't really bother me, I don't really, I'm not that concerned, then it allows the, the government overreach to take another step forward before then censoring the next political platform or um, platform that is for the public domain to, to voice opinion, concern, thought. So definitely so, problematic. About three months ago, I heard that something like 87% of all people now get their news from social media, uh, online social media. They don't get it from newspapers anymore, listen to the radio or watching the 6 o'clock news on TV. They get it from social media. So when you have Twitter, and Twitter compared to Google and Facebook uh, is not that big or as big, putting their fingers on the scale is major. It's not minor. It, it affects so many people and, and so many attitudes that they're not getting a balanced viewpoint. I trust the American people to make their own decision. That's what their country was founded on that led to a revolutionary war against England. And they, they can they can decide if they're presented with accurate information, but it, that hasn't been the case. No, I think uh, it's become well-known, uh, maybe not so much in the U.S., but more in Canada when we look at this from a Canadian point of view of how skewed our mainstream media is now become. And it's it's hard to weave between the weeds, if you will, in terms of what's what's real and what's disinformation, because even our own mainstream media here has been caught on the hook of the payroll of the government. And it's a, it's a big laughing point for our prime minister. But when I think about these things from a more Canadian point of view, you got to know that CSIS probably has their hands, which is our, our version of like Homeland Security, basically. No. Our version of CIA. Oh, sorry, CIA. So it's our version of CIA, and they're definitely got their hands involved with Twitter and other social media sites as well, because a lot of the same censoring that's happening in the U.S. very similarly happens up here for Canadians. What are your thoughts well, of on course. that? Trudeau recently brought in some increased licensing regulation uh, for media, and he also gave them a grant. I think every radio station or TV news station got 155000 So, uh, in other words, as long as you speak nicely of me, we won't yank your license, and we'll keep giving you money. And uh, if you live, say, in Ontario... When do you ever hear an accurate account of what's going on in Alberta or Quebec or Newfoundland or BC? You don't. You just hear big stories globally and local news. It, we're all kept in isolated little pockets in this country. Our head is buried in the sand. Yes. Trudeau has, every, every, from Manitoba West, has no support. Uh, he's got some support in Quebec, but not that much. The main area that keeps him getting reelected despite scandal after scandal is uh, the greater uh, the GTA area in southern Ontario. And I it drives me crazy after what he did to people like Jody Wilson, Ray Bold, and uh, the Wee scandal, and on and on. They keep electing. 
can't. It just drives me crazy. Same here. It's uh, oh, that's all I gotta say on that. Right. Would you say that what's going on right now, there, Colonel? Before we get to uh, Mofo and his opinion, that uh, Bill C eleven is basically our nail in the coffin for communism or uh, state-ran TV, more so than it's ever been. Can you uh, tell me what the, the number confuses me? C-11, it's the new bill that just got passed. It basically, um, it's being outlined as a bill to influence and enforce everybody from internet all the way through to cable to ensure that there's more Can- uh, Canadian content. But I think the uh, adverse effect from this bill is basically to quiet any kind of foreign news of what's happening in our country so that we're kind of like not any of the wiser, almost like a North Korea kind of feel to this bill, if you will. You said it, John, that's perfectly accurate. It's, it's another tool of uh, control uh, and tyranny that they're bringing in. Uh, and the comparison to North Korea, I think, is a, a very excellent one on that. It's uh, more suppression and more lies. And, uh, you know, keep us in the dark and feed us whatever. And uh, people should not sit still for this. No. They really shouldn't. No. So there's one thing I wanted to know here, and I think the colonel has some interesting points there, and I don't, for the most part, disagree. The one thing I think we have to be careful of just in general is like when we compare ourselves, say, to a country like North Korea, in the sense of we, I think, personally, that we still have some options here. We still have some choice in terms of we have the opportunity to make a change. We have the opportunity to still lawfully protest and, and actually make whoa, a whoa, difference. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, sorry, I have to correct you there. We don't have that lawfully anymore. Because if you protest... Uh, the truckers last year? Yes. Well, we used I mean, to like, have that right. And it's funny because talking about Trudeau there for a quick second, he was the, one of the ones with one of the gun protests back in the early 90s, I believe, um, talking about the government shouldn't have the right to suppress freedom of speech and protest. He's the only guy that's ever enacted the Emergencies Act that his dad was the one that wrote up the framework when he made the Charter of Rights. Just putting it back. No, but I, I just, I, I guess like go again, like, and I'm not, by no means am I not hating on like the, the convoy, the trucking convoy protest, but if you want to look at, like, I mean, I think maybe slight differences would be, you know, yes, uh, protest all you will, but, you know, when you're blockading street day and night in terms of, you know, you, you're now in theory um, in no parking zones, you're you're hindering traffic. So, I mean, there's little gray areas, I think, we're like lawfully protesting and then creating a, a disturbance per se, or I don't, like, listen, I, it's such a gray area and, like, I'm not, by no means am I not, I'm not taking a side there, and I don't have a problem that they occupied the space while they did so, but I'm just saying, you think about, I guess to me, there's a difference between demonstrating or protesting and then occupying, right? And we think back to a number of years ago when, um, you know, like they occupied the uh, the park there in Toronto, and uh, I remember like they had fires going, there was like the their own little bank system set up, and it was like it turned into literally a little community in itself, right? And so I think like with protesting and occupying, I think it comes into two different sort of circles. That's just my personal thought. But I, that being said, I don't have a problem with the men and women that, you know, went to Ottawa to protest and, and stood their ground. I just think like you get into, I think if they had say left every night, but then shown back up magically in the morning, same time honking their horns and, and making their point be heard then you then you would fall under you are lawfully protesting but when you are you know 
shutting your trucks off, leaving the air out of the systems, letting them, you know, they can't be moved now. Now you're sort of occupying, right? So I just want to be clear though, like I'm not saying that what I, what they did is wrong. It just, I think that's how I at least differentiate John. Like I'm not, like I'm not taking a side, but I just want to put that out there. And if I may go with it, like I, I just think like when we think of, you know, communist regimes, I think that sometimes we make comparison, you know, if I may go as far as say, oh, you know, this place or this whatever, whatever, you know, you, you might say, oh, well, it's like a concentration camp here. And again, I think we have to sometimes just be mindful of how we, we put things just in the sense of that we don't quite have it that bad. And, and I guess, like I say, I still feel like, you know, that we as the voting public here in Canada still can make changes if we are, if people are prepared to pull their head out of their ass and really start holding the people that they vote in accountable. But I think that's what the Freedom Convoy was about, is trying to hold the government accountable. And instead of having those interviews or having those talks, I feel like our government just went the opposite way, but then has the audacity to talk about other countries and how they have the right to, you know, lawfully protest. Well, and and I, I hear you, and I'm not saying that he did so... I think he should have come out and met or had some representatives of the, the protest come out and meet, you know, and, and have that uh, sit down formal discussion and, and, and go over some things. But again, like that, there's, you know, getting into a whole other basket. No, I, I agree. The, the, I don't see it as a whole other basket. No, what I mean is in terms of like going back to the, the, the Twitter file thing. Um, if, if Trudeau had gone out and brought in the, um, the leaders of that protest, and talk to them. He made no effort. He refused to meet or talk. No, and I agree with that. Later on, went so far as to confiscate their money. Well, he seized the bank to ride uh, one of the women who had received bail and tried to get her rearrested and imprisoned for a minor infraction called trespassing. That is above and beyond. That is what a fascist regime does. And you, you are correct, Mofo. We're not North Korea yet. I'm concerned about the direction it's trending. No, and I agree with that. I am concerned. I am concerned as a voting citizen or a taxpayer. I am concerned about where things are going. And I want to be clear on that. I am. I'm just saying, though, I think in general that, you know, we, we, we still, I think we have, say, some choices or some options that we can exercise, at least here in this com- country, to, to make a difference. Versus, I think in some countries, if you speak out of line, you will be shot instantaneously. And that's my, that's where I guess that's where how I'm trying to differentiate for people that are, are not from here. They, I really think that we at least have, have some choices in that regard to make a change. Well, I think um, um, in terms of one thing that we need to be aware of is we're already seeing this rabbit hole take place in countries like Australia. Apparently, we've gotten to that even point. worse. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like worse. It's, they, they, they had camps for citizens down there and they went full fascist. And that's what we're concerned about. We're on that brinking point. And I think that's why I'm bringing up the Twitter files here for us to discuss. That's why I'm bringing up uh, bringing up rather the Canadian point of view of this is because, you know, the FBI is has gotten so close to Twitter at that point where they started running down lists of names or usernames. And a lot of them were sharing um, like satire, like humor. And for whatever reason, the FBI outlined them as people they need to disappear. They weren't even necessarily talking about, you know, not getting the job or anything of that sense. And it got to a point where they were blocking or shadow banning and all this other stuff that happens at all social media levels. But we're just focusing on the Twitter aspect. So what do you think the chances of that happening in Canada? And how would you feel if Elon were to do the same kind of investigation 
but on the Canadian government side. I think the deeper you dig, the more you're going to find. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the more you the more you pull back the curtain and the more light that comes in, the more they're going to find. And I think it would reveal things that, you know, to a certain degree, maybe we in Canada don't want to know. Right. I mean, in the sense of ignorance is bliss sometimes. But I think we ought to know or should know, you know, what's going on. And investigations done by government on government are, you know, you're always left to wonder, left to question. And. I think someone like Elon Musk getting involved, doing it, I mean, again, you have to wonder, does he really have that much to lose? Does he really care, right? What do you find? So it'll be interesting. I feel though, I'd feel more informed hearing what he has to say from his investigation side than if it was a government-led investigation on a branch of the government. I feel you'd have more cover-up in that regard. Okay. Uh, I gotta say that right now, both the FBI and the Justice Department in the United States two-tier justice. Hillary Clinton has never been held accountable for her emails that were magically disappeared and were affected by bleach bit and broken up and everything else. She was never charged or brought to account on that. And it, it goes on from there. James Comer, who was head of the FBI, wouldn't indict her or charge her. And, you know, the fix has been in for a long time. So a little different if you're uh, a Republican and uh, John Eastman, a, a law professor, constitutional law professor, was arrested for for nothing. His phone was seized. It happened to a, n- a number of other conservatives. One of Trump, like Steve Bannon, who used to be working for Trump, he's been charged on a Mickey Mouse charge and convicted in a Washington D.C. court, which is totally ninety nine percent. Democratic voters in Washington. Colonel, you so said he got you charged. You have a two-tier justice system going on here. So you were saying that the one fellow got charged on Mickey Mouse charges. What are these Mickey Mouse charges? Steve Bannon was charged with, I don't think he, he got a subpoena to testify in front of Congress. And he had, he had two options. He could have come in front of Congress. And if he didn't want to reveal what they were asking, could have pled the fifth which is his legal right, and they couldn't have done anything about it. Instead, he didn't He didn't respond to the subpoena. So I believe they're, they're holding him in contempt okay. for not responding to the subpoena. So they're pissed off, basically, and they're doing anything and everything because he didn't jump when they said jump, basically. Yeah. Um, personally, Steve Bannon is, is not a... Not a stupid guy by any means. A quite great man. I've heard him talk. Uh, he should have played the game. You know, saved himself a lot of grief. If if he does spend time in prison over this, uh, certainly the Biden administration isn't going to get him out. Trump could if he gets reelected. I, I just hope that enough information is being revealed with this Twitter stuff to make people realize what's going on in their country, and they need to make a change big time. Agreed. And we we need to do the same thing in Canada. Well, that- Oh, we're basically attached at the the hip, right? I mean, things that are going on there certainly affect us here. And if it is going on here, you can well imagine it's going on in, say, Mexico, right? I mean, and what I'm trying to say is, like, essentially North America, that these things are going on. And then I'm just well imagine it's going all the way down the gambit, you know, globally speaking, right? Well, Mexico is basically run by cartel. Well, I know, but I'm bed. just saying that I'm sure there's censorship and things that are going on behind the scenes that we can only well imagine. Okay, hear me out on this. They're in bed with China. And the reason I say that is recently it came to light that the number of Chinese immigrants there being at the border has jumped 
by 800%. used to be something like 40, and now it's like 1,400. The border, uh, the head of the border patrol said, is normally the cartels tunnel people through certain entrance points. And Venezuelans go through this one, and Colombians go through the other one, and so on and so forth. He says, not so with the Chinese that we're finding. He says, they're spread across all the way from Arizona right across. The, the, the southern border. And he says, that tells me that the Chinese are working not with one cartel, but with all of them. That's pretty alarming. That would be chilling. And I, only I never, I never really thought of yesterday. that either. No, that was when we came out yesterday. And, you know, just uh, the way that you're breaking it down by like how they can tell like based on you know what cartels would be operating in what regions and such. I just never really thought of that. No, that I aspect. didn't either. It was, it was uh, quite the revelation. I thought, and I thought that uh, people should know about that. Like, it's not just balloons floating over the country. It's actual, and I'm I'm willing to bet that these are not people just fleeing China because they want to. I, I would bet most of them are Asians to spy on the United States or to create terrorist acts. And Biden's openly uh, promoting it because he's taking money from China through his son, Hunter. And that has a word, and no one uses the word ever anymore, called treason. Well, unless you're in Canada. People are calling treason for our prime minister, but that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you, gentlemen, this quick question here before we start wrapping this bad boy up. With uh, all the pressure that's coming from law enforcement or government agencies, are are these two countries on the brink communists? Or, and if you do believe so, what do you think we should do? And if you don't think so, then when does it stop? I'll say that the democratic left powers would like to bring the United States down to as low a level as it can and has done everything in its power to do so uh, because they basically hate the American people and they hate the success of that country. And um, this constant talking about CRT theory and race, they, they, they would love to see a type of civil war breakout that would bring the country down. But the more we talk about it, the more we're aware of what's going on. We, we can... We can resist it. Okay. I think the more you can do things to destabilize any country in any capacity, right? It it gives the opponent or it gives the the enemy an upper hand. You create uncertainty. You create fear. Destabilization, and it, it has a trickle or a splinter effect that just you know eventually erupts. Very I well don't. Said. I don't think. Thank you. I don't think that you will see necessarily civil war here. And I say that because I think like people are generally speaking too passive. Um, the average person just wants to, you know, do their 40 hours a week, get their paycheck, steak on the plate, you know, watch the game, go for that vacation. I don't think the average person actually wants to get into, you know, a civil war in terms of conflict. But do I think that it's going to continue to create create divide? Do I think it's going to create um, fear and anxiety? Yeah, I do. I think, though, that the more, like the colonel noted, that more people are waking up and are hearing of it and voices are getting out there and, and being heard. I think that we can make change. I just don't think it's going to come in the sense of civil war like we think of perhaps in the historical content. I, I, I personally think it, it's going to come through voting. I think it's going to come through public outrage. I think it's going to come through uh, scandals being you know, brought to light and people being forced to step down. Right? We saw what happened just recently there with John Tory. I was going to bring that yeah. up, you prick. I was holding on I, to that one for so long. I, you know what? I, uh, 
I do what I can to ruin your day. But <laughs> I the ultimate that. is, I, in my in my mind, it's like when you watch Tim speak, that guy looked like he was a robot talking with a gun to his head. So I think that it probably came through a sense of either blackmail or someone knew and was going to pull the you know pull the shoot oh, no anyway. Someone was going to leak it. He so get out in front of him. Oh no, and I I agree, and I'm saying you know, I think the same thing is going to happen. You're going to get more and more people blowing the whistle on other topics, and right? Not just and a staffer. Woo! No. <laughs> so deep. No, um, I, I think it's you're gonna see you're gonna see things where people just start deciding I don't agree with this, or I'm at the end of my career anyway, so I'm not really losing anything. I'm now gonna spawn or shine the spotlight on this. I'm gonna let it be known. I'm gonna give you Murray is done politically now. He's no, but I'm not even talking. I'm not even talking about that. Though. I'm talking about like you know, on the bigger government set in this country and the states. I think again, like you're seeing more and more people starting to say, "Hey, like I don't agree with this. This is not the." values that I grew up with in this country or that my, you know, my forefathers and such, you know, fought for or, or, or tried to, you know, bring in as a value and such to this society. And as much as I think like we, we really try to learn from history and make a lot of changes for the better, I do think that some things have ultimately, you know, our, our people generations before us be rolling in their grave right now if they saw how bad things have gotten. But again, I think the more and more information that is shared and the conversation is being talked about and driven, I do feel that change can be made. I just don't see it coming through something as extreme as civil war. If it might come through civil war, it'd be like a 21st century, you know, keyboard civil war, if you will. Xbox Live, baby, like Call of Duty. Call of Duty. No, I'm. I just mean compared to like armed conflict. Again, you you can barely motivate you know some people to get up and go vote on voting day. You can barely get people motivated enough to to go out and protest together collectively. Go into work five days a week. Well, there and so I do, I just don't think you can actually you'd ever get people to arm up and do something. Frank, I wouldn't want to see the conflict, right? You don't want to see the violence. Well, but I, I, did, think, I I didn't say that that was imminent. No, 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 and nor and nor did I say that you're. And I'm not insinuating you're trying to. I'm just illustrating that I think I think we are going to see more of. It's going to be a, a civil war in the sense of people starting to blow whistles and chant. I'll use the analogy of I see more things of like anonymous taking bigger steps within society and starting to out people that are doing things and posting it just to put it out there and then let the fire burn internally. That's sort of my, my take on where I see things going personally. So I want Very to take surprised to hear about Tory. Very surprised. Well, this is, it's great you brought it up. I wanted to bring this up. I wanted to save it for the end. So we kind of covered our Twitter files and this is still a Canadian um, perspective, but let's talk about elected figures for a second. Let's talk about the municipality of Toronto. Toronto is the biggest municipality in Ontario, probably arguably uh, Canada. And now we have a mayor of the biggest city in our country, basically riddled with a scandal with our mayor, John Tory. And it's unfortunate. I think on a personal level, he's probably a good guy. Do I think he's had his hands in a lot of pots? Yes. I think there's a lot of conflict of interest with how he does business outside of City Hall. Not talking about um, his issue with the staffer. Here's what I'll give pros to. Instead of just sitting back and just 
allowing the scandal to come out and him denying it and pull the whole uh, Bill Clinton, Monica Lewinsky thing. He stood up. I was wrong. I'm stepping down. Please respect my family and our privacy as I try to build the trust of my family. Respect it. He just understands that that's the best way to go about it. And I couldn't agree more with this. He stepped down as mayor. Here's the problem. He got elected. Uh, he just got reelected, I think, what, October? And yep. we've mm-hmm. just spent all this money because it costs money to run an election. You have to pay for people to go out to all the polling stations. You have to people uh, pay the people for counting it. You know, we have a lot of like news agencies spending time and money doing all this. So now they got to find a way. They got to put the lawn in through City Hall to have the um, deputy mayor step in, which is basically like the vice president, if you're talking about the U.S., to step in place until they can get everything all in order and then have a by-election just for the mayor's spot. You know, knowing that this was probably known that this was going to come out at some point, why do this? One theory is that there was someone in the upper government so the provincial which is basically state level wanted certain players in certain positions so that they could keep pushing their green belt and all these other initiatives that they have in plan i don't know what do you guys think so if i may start out on this one so i'm going to try and compartmentalize a couple of these points here first point i as a person individual person the person thing listen i understand mistakes happen and nobody's purpose and all that bullshit and that's fine but as an example when you were the mayor and you were stepping over this boundary line, whoever made the first advance or however this situation allowed to fester to the point that it did is mind-blowing, especially at somebody of his position and his his power, he certainly should have realized, like, wait a second. You know, that that is my start out. The second thing, though, is when he talked about the timeline of, you know, during the pandemic, he wasn't really around his spouse a whole lot and um, things between this uh, staffer, you know, seemed to be able to develop. It grinds on me. It grinds on me in the sense of, because I think to myself, like, you know, how many times are we told by this same individual, right, and told by other powers and such in this country and a city, so we were told, you know, you need to stay at home, stay away from, you know, don't do that family gathering this weekend. You know, we just need to, to whatever, flatten the curve, horse shit, right? And we, we need to all do our part, right? But now all of a sudden, this guy's, you know, fucking around in a hotel room or the office or wherever he's doing it. It's like, that's not cool, man. Like, you know, well, you're taking a piss all over the, the citizens of Toronto. And then this is what you're doing in the background. Sorry, man. But like that there, like it re- that there really grinds on me, John. I got to say that, you know, I, I just, it really pisses me off, to be honest. As you know, should. and then the, my third... No, and yeah, but then to the third point, as the colonel would probably agree and yourself would probably agree, you know, you talk about money and, and again, I'm not rich and I don't know how any of the listeners, maybe how they're doing, but as an example, everyone that I know, you work hard for your money. So when you hear that tax dollars are being spent on an election, if it's due for one or if that's where we're at, no problem. But then you think to yourself, okay, well, now this money has essentially been pissed away because how many people would have potentially voted differently? Now, I can I can argue the point, too, and I can see the point that, well, whatever goes on in this gentleman's personal life, is it really irrelevant from how he or she does their job? Okay, valid point. But how many people would have, if they heard this news right at the beginning of the election or the day before the election, might have in turn then voted differently, voted for another good qualified candidate that was up on the stage? How many of those same qualified candidates were not given the same the same voice or the same microphone, if you will, every day to be on TV talking about different things and different initiatives and going to different festivals and, and being having their face out there? How many people were 
were short sighted just because they didn't get their little, you know, time on the camera or that time to debate something. And here, this guy, there's times where he would come and it's like only a one hour debate or a 40 minute debate. And then he had to go to some other thing. Meanwhile, like he's fooling around behind the scenes. And it's like, so you pissed away Toronto taxpayers money. You, you've thrown away the, like the vote that, you know, may have been swayed one way or the other. And now a by-election, well, that's fantastic. But that there has another cost association. Who's going to pay for that? Is that coming out of Tory's pocket? No, that, no but that's, that's part of the democratic system. That's, no, I, I know it is, and I get it. But again, this is where, like, this is where again, I think people start to get pissed off. It goes back to distrust, distrust within government. And this started right at the, the base core, if you will. Like, if you can't even trust your own counselor or your own mayor, right? And well, then look it's just forward, look at forward in the green belt issue. I mean, oh, and that, and that there, I'm, that, that, that's my fourth point I was I was going to get to in a second, but I just had to tee off on this one for a second, Colonel. I, I just, I, as a person to person thing, I can understand people make mistakes, infidelity, and all this, and it happens, and it is what it is. Not saying it's right, but I understand. But when you were the mayor and you were exercising the level of power and control that you do, and then you were doing something like this, I don't care. Whether she initiated, he initiated, somehow you let it happen. At a certain point, you don't say, hey, this is wrong and we, we can't allow this to go on. And it's like, at, at how much time are you spending away from your spouse when you're the mayor? You know, I understand every day you're doing different press conferences, you're doing this and that, but are you not returning home at night? I, I, I don't know, right? And then even when you are returning home, how is it that there's time in your day with all the people around you and your scheduling that no one else knows that this is going on? And if people did know that it's going on, why was nothing said well, sooner? Apparently, someone did. <laughs> well, no, and obviously so. Someone knew, but I'm just saying, though, that it's like when you start to think about it, like there's a lot more questions still to here to go yet. And I think we as Torontonians should know damn well who the other opponent or the other participant was within that situation. I don't care about privacy. I mean, essentially, between you and him, you're both ultimately now, you know, owing the city some dollars back for that election. And just the, like, look what you've done to the city. You come in and you, you, you clean up after Rob Ford. I mean, love him or hate him. I mean, there, there was obviously just like a bunch of things to be addressed after Rob left and may he rest in peace. But then now, like, look at this. So now it's like there's a stigma that is ultimately one way or the other is going to be attached to this city because of this. And it doesn't wash well with me, to be honest, right? I don't know why, but it strikes a bit of a nerve. And I just think it's bullshit. And then to address the, the final point is just that, yeah, like there's, I've heard like that, yeah, like you might see now Doug Ford do something or Doug Ford pulling these strings behind. You know, maybe, maybe not. I mean, like, Again, this comes back to distrust. And it's like if you can't trust your first level lower politician and then your mayor and then up to the, you know, prime minister and premier and, and reverse that. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it just no wonder you have conspiracy theories. No wonder you have people that distrust in government. Anyway, that's where I stand. Sorry. Bingo. <laughs> Bruce Dude, Joe Joseph just slap him. I'm just going to drop, drop the mic there. <laughs> Address John's point about who who will run and will they be shadow people for Doug Ford? I'll have to wait and see. Should be interesting. What is your stand there about this whole scandal coming to surface there, Colonel? Well, I think uh, Mr. Tory is playing uh, the smart card, the only card he has to get out front of it. He's been married for 40 years, they mentioned, so maybe the thrill is gone. Uh, that doesn't excuse it or make it right. No, sir. So, you know, uh, it was going to come out either way, so he got out in front of it. Okay, I'll find it good, so we have to move on from there. Definitely um, a pro. Yeah, yeah, he's been in politics a long time. 
But I think his political career for the rest of his life is over with. I think it's basically retirement. He is a lawyer, I believe, and he could, uh, he could still practice law. I don't know who would go to him, but that's another story. I mean, well, like I said, like, you know, does he do his job day to day? Yes. Like, he shows up, he, you know, but again, do I now want him representing the city? No. And then likewise, do I want to see his name on a billboard or an endorsement or representing in a particular riding that I may or may not live in? No. That's right off. You've already ruined that chance. Well, one thing you can say about John Tory is he's been doing um, a lot of work under the table. <laughs> sorry. Oh, shit. Sorry. I couldn't resist. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, moving on, Colonel. I know uh, you wanted to get one last part in there. Going back to this green belt thing in Ford, do you think that this uh, news coming out is something that can directly help the Ford government and their green belt, even though Toronto's not in the Durham region? Or do you think that this is just something that was coming out from somebody in city council that wanted to do a bit of a shakeup? I think Tory was pretty much step in step with Doug Ford. It's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see who replaces them and whether they'll play ball with uh court or not. I will tell. I personally feel that the green belt should not be touched in any way, shape, or form. No. And considering he's Mr. Ford has the federal government uh, against him, the RCMP looking into it, and the other parties uh, protesting this, I don't think the green, green belt deal will go through. And I, I think it's disgraceful disgraceful that he's gone and done this and given developers the heads up and it's, it's totally corrupt. Yes. And it's unfortunate because the end result will be <clears throat> probably in the next provincial election we'll get a liberal who will spend money like crazy on stupid stuff and no one will benefit. That's how I feel. The one thing I'd like to know though is what would be like of, of all the, these you know developers as an example they like these various contacts I'd like to know what the correlation of votes of him dealing with them and giving them the green light to say go and build or develop versus the amount of votes that he stands to potentially lose would be. You know what I mean? Like if we had a crystal ball. I'd be curious to know, okay, if he goes with the developers, does that secure him, say, 10,000 more votes in the next election versus he loses, say, 8,000 to the, the people that didn't want things developed? You know what I mean? Or does, if he goes with the developers, does he, or the, the people that he uh, don't want developed, would he pick up 12,000 votes? You know, I mean, I'd just be curious what the offsets would be in a, in a hypothetical situation. That is interesting. You know? I think, uh, just before we sign off here, I think it's... Uh it's one thing to understand, and these are just my opinions, and they're my opinions for what it's worth. But I think uh, in Canada alone, I feel like when we gave businesses the voice, just like we give people the voice, the people lost their voice for the interests of businesses. And I believe that capitalism and private enterprise can live side by side, but not be corrupt. I know that sounds weird, but I, I believe it, it's possible. And I think the more that we, I agree. we grow older, we need to understand that we don't need to be married to the ideology of our parents, our friends, or even our spouse. I think we are allowed to vote for whomever we want. And I also absolutely hate, and I absolutely hate, it. I can't understate this enough. When someone tells me when it's election time, I'm voting for the guy in red because I don't want the guy in blue to win, but I really want to vote the guy in orange. Folks, vote for who you want because the more we keep doing this game where I'm going to vote for blue because I don't want red or I'm going to vote for red because I don't want blue, the more we're disqualifying our voice. And you know what? And if you don't agree with who is out there to vote for, rescind your 
vote. The more people rescind, the more likely the government gets the idea that we're not happy with their choices and all their solutions that they're bringing to the supposed table. Just food for thought, in my opinion. Colonel, it's been a pleasure once again having you on board, sir. Thank you for coming on board. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. And Motorsports Mofo, I appreciate your heated and more angry, angrier side, if that's a word. (laughs) John, you know, it's always a pleasure. And likewise, Colonel, always a pleasure. Um, Some of these things just really, you know, they get my tires spinning and they they really start to frazzle me, you know. And I think it just comes down to having an opinion, making it heard. And on this one, I just, I felt I had an opinion want people to hear it so yeah no thank you for having me always happy to do this and thank you everyone for the uh, continued support thank you fellas i enjoyed it very much appreciate it a wise person once told me nobody likes to tip so that's why we go deep go deep go deep this is go deep productions thank you for listening to go deep the podcast a member of go deep productions where we give our opinions like we have a clue you can find us on all forms of social media if you would like to reach out to the show email us at go deep the podcast at gmail.com and remember always go deep